It has been a while, but welcome back to another episode of the Skyline Podcast. Following tradition, we have our most recent Skyline Cup Series champion, Sterling with us. Sterling, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. It's been about a week now since you won. Is it, uh, is it still feeling real? Yeah, it's, it's still real. It's now that the season started, that's I got to put that behind me and focus on this year. But uh, yeah, there's, there's still a little afterglow. No team in Sky history has ever gone back to back. We may be looking. Um, he, what Sterling here is trying to do is, is become the first franchise to go back to back. And this Houston team is set up. Uh, when, when you started, it was what, the mid-2000s. This is a franchise that that hoarded draft picks. Um, you've said before that you you run online as well as as or offline as well as online. Um, so did you sort of hoard draft picks sort of because of that offline experience where you're just trying to get all those prospects that sort of just massive quantity and hope that they hit? Yeah. So off, I actually don't play offline anymore, but I used to before this, and. Um, yeah, it's pretty much the same approach. I try to hoard draft picks. This was a little different because the, the approach offline doesn't exactly work, especially trading is quite different. But the hoarding draft picks to try to build a huge funnel and then, again, having the guys come up and being able to trade people who are pretty good quality because you have redundancies to try to get more draft picks to continue the cycle is what I do online, oh, sorry, offline, which works quite well. So we'll see if it, I could continue that here. Um, but yeah, there's a, quite a bit of a big rebuild is what it took here a lot longer than it normally takes offline. And usually two to three years is max and you could be ready and good to go. This took me, man, there's a, there's a semi false start in the middle there, but there was like two years and a false start, then another three full years of rebuild to get here. I mean, we look back at that 2004 draft, I believe if I can find 50 draft picks back there in 2004, and then again there in 2005, another 50 draft picks. So just between those two seasons, you, you drafted 100 players. You brought another 46 there in 2006. And that was during a time where, where you traded off some of those big pieces uh, to those Sky veterans. Bob Fort was the first big piece to go. Uh, or sorry, Eddie Hill was the first big piece to go. Then Bob Fort. Um, we still see pieces of that Eddie Hill trade today mainly in the form of Angel Trujillo. Um, regardless, how, how did those first four drafts, those first four years where Houston was rebuilding and you had to sell off some of those key pieces, how, how did that shape this roster? Um, that, that shaped most of this roster. Like, uh, I, I'm not sure exactly if they came from those four drafts, but of the guys on my uh, playoff roster, 14 of them were drafted. So that's 14 out of 26 there. And... Overall, the, those picks also helped me make trades for the people I brought in, too. So um, I'd say the drafting was way more important than the trading, but the drafting helped aid the trading as I had so many assets that I could willingly make big trades. Like One that I remember I got quite a bit of flack for at the time, um, but I feel worked out great, was when I um, got Ramirez. I, I, that's a bit of a haul there, at least at the time. Nowadays, it seems like the cost of players has gone up since back then. But as a, I think, believe it's two draft, two second rounders, and two pretty solid specs, if I remember it that correctly. It looks like it was Alex Rosario, 
uh, is currently sitting in the Baltimore rotation, a second rounder. Um, it's uh, actually two. Yeah, it's two second rounders, I believe. Let's 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 take a let's take a look here. Uh, in game, it, it was just those two. Regardless, it was still a, a top hundred spec and a second round pick for a uh, for a start, starting shortstop. Yes, it was. It was uh, Detroit's second rounder as well as Houston's second rounder. Yeah. So it was it was two high draft picks as well as uh, a top one hundred prospect. Mm-hmm. And and I got quite a bit of flack for that at the time. People were like, whoa, like two. Second round draft picks and is for a player, and he was pretty young still. I believe he was twenty five or twenty six when that happened, and he's actually gotten better since I got him too, especially on the defensive side. So um, at the end of the day, that really worked out, and I think it worked out great. But there was I, I was really scared. It's probably my biggest asset giving up trade at that time for me. He was someone that showed up in this postseason, in this past postseason for sure. Uh, OPS of nine ninety eight was the division championship series uh, MVP. He's definitely someone that you would not be with your, uh, you wouldn't be a champion without without him. And and we'd be remiss if we went the entire time without talking about Angel Trujillo. <laughs> you talk about him enough. I talk about him enough, but still. 30, 32 war over the past three seasons. He was a deserved Skyline Cup Finals MVP, hitter of the year the last three seasons in your mind. Outside of Angel Trujillo, who we can all agree on is the best player in baseball right now, who is your team MVP? Um, regular season or playoffs? Regular season. I, I really have to say uh, I'm a huge fan of Haverson. Uh, he He's better defensively um, than Killer, and he is just as fast, pretty much, and doesn't have the power Bang average seems to be there. He, he's got all the pieces pretty much. He's just a, uh, not as exceptional version, but he's pretty much, I call him Killer Light. And I actually would make that his uh, um, nickname too, because that's what he is. He's a, a lighter version of him. I am all for that. I am all for that nickname. Mike, if you're listening, just go ahead and change that. I think we're all on board with that. But he's someone he was he was one of those draft picks. He was the number four overall pick back there in 2005. Uh, This is his second full year in the majors. He's 26 now. 2011 or 2010. He had that spring call up cup of coffee. 2011 was the full time guy for war in 127 games Then 2012. Burst onto the scene, played every single game, hit 27 home runs, 136 RBIs, uh, 6 war, an OPS of 908, and oh, by the way, plus 21.2 zone rating out there in left field. He's now at plus 42 for his entire 300-game career. That is insane. Two-time Gold Glove Award winner and the Regional Championship Series MVP. Uh, And Would you have given him your Skyline Cup Series MVP vote? Yeah, he, he was without a doubt the, the one. He, he, you could argue that a lot of his RBIs came from where he hit in the order, but at the same time, that's the plan. He did what was needed of him, more than what was needed of him. And yeah, I would have given him the MVP. He was just like RBI machine throughout um, the, the Skyline series. And the, uh, the other player that sort of burst onto the scene didn't have a, a huge year. He's a six-year veteran. Uh, was a minor league signing from Colorado, Josh Ellis, who all of a sudden in the postseason just couldn't stop hitting. He went 29 for 70 in the postseason. That's a 414 batting average. Like, where do you and, pull these guys from? 
And actually, I thought he had a great regular season. Um, he was platooning a bit to start, but then he took the job full time, and he ended up with a th- like a three thirty one batting average. His eye isn't great, so it's only three sixty six on base percentage, but still one point four WAR only, from a and only a three sixty six on base yeah, exactly still only elite. So he had a great season, and that's actually one of those ones where if you look at the contract on him, he uh, it's a very nice contract too. Because if you think about who I used to have at second base and how much he cost, um, I, I felt like that that was a big thing I needed to do this year was when I traded um, Parsons, uh, I need to fill that second base role. And I, I actually got two guys off free agency who I was platooning, and then he just took the reins, and I was quite happy with the performance there. Yeah, so you traded away the uh, the Gold Glove Award winner. Or it's not the Gold Glove Award, the uh, Silver Slugger, Silver Slugger at yeah. second base, Steve Parsons. D. Rich, Trent, and I were all off on that. We thought you made a terrible move signing him in the first place. He turns around and gives you eight war over two years. You trade him away for Chad Hor- uh, Chad Herner and a couple other guys. And he goes off and has a career year in Kansas City. We We cannot get Steve Parsons correct. So we apologize for giving you, uh, for not giving you the benefit of the doubt um, in that deal. However, what you did get from him on the trade front was a starter, which you needed. Mm-hmm. When, when, when I think Houston, I think bullpen. You, you noted, I believe you said 14 of your guys were drafted. A lot of those guys were in the bullpen. Steve Young, your closer, was a second-round pick in 2008. Fred Delk, your setup man, a fifth-round pick in 2008. Um, Mike Clark was a, uh, what was he? He was a third round pick in 2006. So you're not just spending a lot of draft capital. You're spending a lot of high draft capital on these relief pitchers. And they got you there on the flip side. You, you had these starters that you, you hoped could get you through five innings. You could hand it off to your bullpen. Chad Herner was that starter for you. He was your, your bona fide ace 31 starts a four eleven ERA, uh, last season. Doesn't look like he lost a lot from last season. Are you expecting a, a duplicate performance from the Admiral Chad Herner this year? Yeah, he, he lost a little bit on his changeup. His actually his changeup is non-existent now, but he also has four other pitches, so I'm not as worried. Um, yeah, he he'll probably him and Roman uh, both be finding it out because Roman had a great season last year. His the, the thing about my pitchers are they fit my model for a team. So they aren't like sexy pitchers. I don't care about strikeouts. I just care about guys who get ground balls. I focus on ground ballers. I put elite shortstop in place for that reason, that these guys are going to get ground balls, maybe get a few fly balls to my outfield. That's fine with me, but they, they aren't stat starlings, but they get the job done. And that's really why I focus on pitchers who are able to come in and work within the system and give us what we need. Um, and yeah, I feel he, he he sees a ground baller, even though he might be losing some stuff with age. I think he'll put up a fine season, and it actually sort of makes it easier for me because these guys who are very marginal, like uh, I know not a lot of people are high on Sneed as a starter. He, he ended up going fourteen and four for me as a three point six one ERA, and like that that's acceptable. That's exactly where his BABIP was two forty five. He actually led the league in that. And most people, like if I shopped him around at one point, no one would even take a sniff at him. I, I know you're not a. I know you're not a fan of FIP. You, yeah, you're, I think, a, you're, I, a, you're a staunch I, I, opponent of fielding independent pitching. Yeah, because it's, um, I, I don't care how many home runs to strikeouts my 
pitchers get because I don't focus on that. I focus on ground ball pitchers mainly, and I focus on the defensive side. And so it really does a disservice to look at that if you're looking at the whole pitcher. Um, if if you're taking one of my pitchers and putting them in another team, I can't expect the same results unless they have a similar defense. And pitching coach, which I think was the biggest move I made all year last year, uh, was my new pitching coach turned everything around because he was the right pitching coach for my staff. So your pitching coach, Juan Santana, he, uh, he was originally the Marlins pitching coach, uh, left them after 2008. He then became your pitching coach in AA. Um, every single year, he has led his pitching staff to a sub-4.3 ERA. Doesn't matter if he was at the minors and the majors. And this is all in the DH era. He, you might ha- And uh, not only that, um, he's only 46 years old, so you're probably going to have him for a while. That that that's not a that's not something I I think got talked about much. I don't think anyone really realized that. Um, but I think you did make a, a fantastic move there, uh, getting Juan Santana. Yeah, well, what I did was like after my first year making playoffs, I got a new pitching coach, which was last year, like the previous season, and he was a power pitcher pitching coach. Just a wrong fit altogether. My starting rotation was still decent, but wasn't great. And I saw some of my uh, closers, which I had. One of the best systems the year before was not as good, at least with regards to overall bullpen. And so when I got rid of him and brought in the right pitching coach, uh, that that made a world difference. And I, I believe more than half of my pitchers are ground ball pitchers right now. And I'm not going to, when I go and acquire pitchers, that's what I look for. At a minimum, I don't want fly ball pitchers, especially in my park. So that's why I'm focused on is ground ball pitchers or neutral pitchers. And um, yeah, it seems like I brought him in and he just worked with all those pitchers and I I credit that to everything. I think we had the second lowest starting rotation ERA last year, which at the start of the season, if you looked at my pitchers, I remember listening to the podcast, you guys were like, what's he doing? Like he has no one here. It's Chad Horner than a a load of junk. Uh, But I think it's a combination of the defense, the pitching coach and the park and the type of pitchers what I was looking for. You, you can't argue with results that that's for damn sure. And, Outside of that pitching coach, outside of the pitching coach, outside of the trade of Parsons for Herner, there wasn't a lot of other moves. It, it was largely the same group coming back. Um, you added Horn at the deadline. Uh, you added Ed Atkins in the middle of 2011. Uh, I don't believe he pitched at all last year. No, he tore his labrum early, so he was out for all of last year, so you get him back. He, he pitched like a one and a half innings in the Skyline Series, because that's when he came back. So he, he was on the bench. I started the bullpen for that, but yeah, he missed a whole regular season. Yeah, it looks like he did go a third of an inning, um, gave a hit, okay, struck yeah. out a batter. Um, but again, for the most part, it was the same group you had in 2011 that came up short. Well, there's one big change, and it's actually, I think I credit this with probably the second biggest thing that helped me win last year. Um, I signed a free agent uh, late last year by the name of Schumacher or Shoemaker. Schoonmaker, sorry, I always pronounce him wrong. Eric Schoonmaker, who hit 195 for me at the minus 0.5 war. And so a lot of people look at that and like, why would you consider that the big thing? He, he's a captain, and he's actually, his personality is poised under pressure. And when I brought him in, all of a sudden my team went from being very happy to ecstatic right away. And I saw the performance improve from there on out. So he hardly... Got in. Actually, he got 61 play appearances uh, or 63 play appearances. But I really credit that, the the cohesion he created in my clubhouse. Because I didn't have a captain. I had a bunch of leaders. But bringing a captain in 
really made everyone happy. Everyone's on the same page. And I saw the performance improve from there on out. And um, before that, I think we were like second or third in the league. We, we were already, I believe, at the top of the division. But after that, we took off. And um, yeah, so I, that's something that a lot of people, if you look at him, you're like, oh, that was why. And why did I resign him for a million dollars? Well, because of that, I want him to continue because every captain is an equal. This is, in my opinion, an exceptional captain, one that actually got the team to play at a higher level. The old Sergio Nava Los Angeles Dodgers theory. Uh, those of you who remember uh, Mike's run back in 2009, brought in Sergio Nava. Nava played all of 67, or had all of 67 plate appearances, but all of a sudden they acquire him in late May. And they go on this run. Mm-hmm. They win the Skyline Cup Series. They go 15-0 in the playoffs. It, it was, it, um, I'm guessing you, you see the, the similarities there. It was that same yeah. type of thing. You signed Schoonmaker nine days uh, before the Dodgers did Nava back in 2009. So that was May 16th of 2012. And he just sat there and, and kept the clubhouse together. Exactly, yeah. And he, like his, his ratings are declining, but they're still not bad. Like I, I assume... If he was playing full time, he'd still hit okay, but that's not the role he's has. He, he's, I, I don't really need him to hit. And now that we have a twenty six man um, roster, I can afford to have him just sit there, come in for a few pitch hits here and there. He he can't. He has thirty five range in the outfield, so I don't want him in my outfield. And he could steal still, but he's a poor base runner, and has no speed, so I don't want him pitch hitting. So yeah, pretty much he just rides the pine and keeps everyone happy and makes some money late in his career that he wouldn't be making otherwise. So you're sitting there, 2011 offseason, trade away Parsons. Uh, you lose Joselito Viramontes. That's another thing we didn't touch on. You, you lost yeah, your I, previous ace, so you needed I, to replace him. Yes, and I, I actually didn't want him anymore. Um, he wasn't a great fit. He, he, play, he pitched fine, um, but he's really expensive. He asked if he wanted a lot more money than anyone else. And he just wasn't, he, he wasn't the mold of pitcher that I need for my team. So I, I was glad to get rid of him. And if you look at, I also got rid of, I forget his name. Um, the, the guy who threw a couple, they threw a no hitter or a perfect game this year. Nate uh, Anderson. Nate Anderson. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad I got rid of him, even though he's a fine pitcher. He was the, the epitome of the wrong pitcher for that park. Because you could look at his stats when I got him in 2011, he uh, and just look at his home runs he's, he gave up. I picked him up hoping he'd be a great help. He in case he had a 3.8 ERA in 14 starts, gave up seven home runs. He comes to me, goes four and four, six five three ERA, gives up 16 home runs in 16 15 starts. So is, in uh, all, is that good? 16 is home that, runs. Is that good? I, I wouldn't say so. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, especially considering 14 starts, seven home runs, 15 starts, 16 home runs. So he's a he's a fine pitcher. And as shown, he, he can still pitch, uh, but he is not the right pitcher for my park. Even though he is a ground baller, uh, he wasn't the right pitcher. Like I could see I needed to get rid of him. And um, yeah, I still think he could pitch. He's solid. He's got actually, I think, five or six pitches. He's got six pitches. Um Still 31. He's got some good attributes about him. He just wasn't right for me. And that's the thing that I've really learned over the time. It's le- I, used to, I didn't look at these finer points, but you didn't need to when you play offline. You could put together a team and not care about these little tiny details. But with everyone who's so 
um, I'd say at a high level in this league uh, at what they do and everyone put together solid teams, you have to look at those really fine details, which are just the, the attributes about them. The personality is huge. I, I, I didn't even care about personality when I first started. I was like, whatever, who cares what they are? Now I look at that personality, I care about those things, adaptability, work ethic, especially with anyone who's under 22. I want work ethic because if they don't have high work, ethic they might not even develop and that's i think work ethic is huge for development so i see people with high work ethic i want them when i'm going to draft if they have the attribute yet i'll draft them um or pick them up when they're young uh but if they have low work ethic that's the reason why a lot of people don't develop and they might look great on paper but they just never follow through to what their um what the predictions are so you're you're coming off season with 103 wins you're coming off season did you lose any big pieces I, I, I pretty much re-signed everyone. I had everyone re-signed before um, the playoffs. I mean, using the off-season center, we can see teams sorted by war gained. You gained 0.7 war. Um, mind you, that's mostly from losing Sean Hutchins to free agency. <laughs> yes. um, so uh, addition by subtraction. Traded away David Yeager, or Yeager, who played 32 games last year. Uh, Nate Niedecker spent the entire year in, double a, or in AAA. Let some guys walk. This is the same team that won it all last year. Pretty is, much. The is, only is it, major. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say the only real difference is I, my backup catcher now. Um, but like, if you've got Ketchison playing 120 games, that's I can't imagine it's a huge drop off. It's uh, who Chris Corey. Yeah, I'm going to be Chris Corey, who hit 307 in AAA last year, um, two WAR in half a season or less than half a season. So I'm hoping he'll be a, a good backup catcher. He looks like he's going to be able to hit pretty well. Uh, no power, no eye. But as a backup catcher, all you can ask for is someone who could fill in when needed and get a few hits. You know who I think he looks like? I think he looks like Johan Dunlight. He's, he's, he's not going to hit. He's nowhere near as fast, but it's that same profile. He's not going to hit for power, and he's not going to walk. But he's going to get on base, he's going to hit it in the gaps, and he's not going to strike out. Mm-hmm. He fits that profile, and he has very good speed for a catcher. 60 speed, 70 stealing, 55 base running, that 60 ability at catcher. So my, my scout has him with 75 stealing, but only 55 ability at catcher. But yeah, my so and my scout has his contact at 70 and his gap power at 70. So um, we'll see if, how that holds true. Because I mean, this is someone that could... Work. This isn't just a catcher. This could be an everyday player, at least as a DH or a first baseman as well. Yeah, exactly. And so that's sort of, um, I will see what happens with Dave Church because he is, uh, he looks like he he's going to be a relief pitcher, but he's still like, according to my scout, which likes him a little more in OSA, still has him with 60 contact, 65 home run power. So there's a chance he might still see some at bats, but um, he definitely, if you look at his pitching side, like I have him as a 65 as a catcher and 80 as a relief pitcher. Oh, he's so, gonna be he's gonna be such a good relief pitcher if that control comes in at all. Exactly. Yeah, he only he only has 30 right now. Um, at least for my scout was OSA have him at 25, but he has a 45. Is what the prediction is. So we'll see. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. He might see some time. He could be a backup catcher too if uh, needed in a pinch. But my, I think he's going to end up being uh, a closer or at least in the bullpen because most of my guys are closers. If you um, look at like uh, – because Young has got that position down. I think uh, Delk um, Clark was a for us the year before. And either Spikes or 
Manny Zhao, or how you pronounce that. Manny uh, Jaso. Jaso. Um, yeah, they were closers before they got turned into just relief pitchers. So that's another thing I look at is um, I like closers to be my setup man and to be my short relievers because, yeah, that, that mentality just getting people and getting the job done is uh, what I look for. The one player I'm still surprised is on this roster, John Gomez. Honestly, surprised he's still on the roster. Well, Gomez, he uh, he's been a good number six for me. He he put up four went four and three in twenty eleven, five and seven last year. But he actually was playing really good. He fell apart last year. He he was in the starting rotation actually, and um, I forget what what happened at the end of the year. But he was. Uh, let's just look at the game log now. He had him. I think he was four and one or four and two, and then he lost like four straight starts, and then that's when I pulled him out of the rotation and put him in. Um, he uh, just he just thing. looks average. He just looks like an average guy. Yeah, he's just an average guy. He but works he works for you, and that's the thing. He's 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 got the reason. Actually, I brought him up was he had high leader, and it, but in 2011 that was a major issue for me. Uh, my clubhouse wasn't happy, so I brought him up as a leader, and that's the only reason I had him. I keep him in my bullpen serve as a spot starter and then he actually like i was happy with his performance as a number five guy in 14 starts going four and three um 4.89 era and so it's nice to have a leader who helped out and but now they have a lot more leaders and have a, a great captain he's not as needed so he actually might be being sent down at the start of the year we'll see uh because i have quite a few other guys who are my triple a is pretty much all arrows pointing up so that's some of those guys eventually get a chance so uh before i go before i move on to the last question here is there anything more you want to talk about this 2011 skyline cup championship team uh we didn't we didn't mention tim peach at all who oh, yeah. had a fantastic september and october yeah peach is probably like i, I was actually in advance just trying to think of basic questions and the three things that i feel were most important for either changes or things that helped me the most were my pitching coach, um, picking up a captain, and Tim Peach finally taking that third base position, making it his. Because I've been I tested out and at four th- third basemen last year, going through them, and he finally just like stuck, and he, he's just been great. He, he had a great playoffs. Um, he's really came together at the end there. Uh, he hit uh, 17 home runs in uh, 300 and. 51 at bats so he he pretty much played half the season and uh yeah he just came, he came through for me his defense isn't amazing he's got 60 at third base which is fine but he uh yeah he was a nice surprise and i i was shopping him earlier in the year too i, w- I would have traded him probably for a late you know seven eighth or nine round draft pick or something like that and no one wanted him and so he ended up getting another chance at third base and he took it and Peach was high throughout that last week of the year. That last week of the year, he had a three-home run game against the White Sox, and then in that very first series against the Rockies, he had a uh, he had a three-home run game. Yeah. So he was he cooled down a bit there in the Skyline Cup series. He he was having trouble in Miami, but he he's everything you could have asked for out of a uh, out of a third baseman that you pretty much pulled off the trash heap. And he's also that, a spark plug, you know, which I love guys with a spark plug personality. Being able to uh, come in and you know just add that little bit extra f- for the team. So the last question I have for you, because we have to come back to Killer, we we have to. Okay. 
going to give you a couple numbers here. You're going to tell me over under your prediction for this year. Okay. Over under 10 war. Unless he gets injured, I'd have to say over. Over under 47 home runs. Well, I, I'll say over. And the reason is last year he only got 45. But if you look at last year, he had a horrible start of the season. He was batting sub 300 for the first month of the season or so. And it, it was actually like he, he was a detriment to some extent in, in the lineup. And then he clicked it up. So however, he ended up batting 331, which is great. Uh, but he if he didn't have a bad first month of the season, he would have done much better. So as long as there isn't a slump like that, yeah, I think that's very doable over 47. Over under 43 stolen bases. You know what? I'm going to go with the under there. And the reason is he was lucky. Like you could argue he's much better at stealing now because he only got caught stealing seven times last year with 45 stolen bases. But his overall temps um, went down from the year before. And so that trend might continue. If he doesn't get if his attempts continue to drop down, it might be difficult to get that. And he'll still have to keep up uh, his ratio, which... Maybe that's a new norm, but the year before with 43 stolen bases and 18 caught stealing, um, going from 40, 18 caught stealing to 7 caught stealing while increasing your stolen bases was nice, but I don't know if that will hold true going forward, especially since speed is probably the first thing that goes with people. So I'll go with the under just to be um, a little conservative there, but you never know with him. And then the last one, over under a 1070 OPS, a 1.070. Well, if I'm going to over on the war, um, I'm going to go over on the OPS too because he's his worst he's ever done was um, what was it? Uh, it was 10:45 in 2010, which still led the league. Still led the league. Um, yeah, and he did 10:59 last year, and I felt like last year because that first month really slowed him down. So yeah, let's say he'll go over. Very, very exhilarating stuff, as always. If you can hang with me. I was trying to find a stat. I found it. Okay. So he has been hit by, I believe, 70 pitches in his career. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many players have, be, have been hit by more pitches since 2000, if Stats Plus wants to work with me? Because that 70 is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he's been, he, I th- believe one of them injured him, too. If like Bobby Hagley, uh, a potential Hall of Famer who had one of the greatest peaks ever, only had 69 career uh, hit by pitches. Um, so just going into human error, it's 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 a lot of people have have more. If we go back to 2010, let's see what that looks like. Uh, for what it's worth, Ite Van Santen has 183 hit by pitches um, since 2000, and it's only Ite Van Santen that's been hit by more pitches uh, since 2010. So, do you think that pitchers are trying to hit him on purpose? He uh, is just good at leaning in. What, what do you think it is? It definitely a bit of both, but um, yeah, I, I think yeah, people hit him on purpose just to you know get him out of the way. Um, he he might he might lead to some of that because I, I I don't know if there's anywhere you could see like aggression here, but I believe he'd be a pretty aggressive hitter, and that often could lead to also a number a good number of beans. Um, but beyond that, it, it, it does help the on-base percentage. But even without that, he's still an on-base fiend. Um, and and I, I am genuinely, genuinely excited 
to to see him over the next 10, 12 years. He he could be he could be in the Pacific, and I'd have to face him twelve times a year. I would be excited every time I had to face him. And and one thing that people don't mention about him is his personality, because I think that's a big part of why he's what he is. Because his yeah stats are great, uh, his, sorry his ratings are great and everything, but it, the actual write up on him I'm not sure if it, I actually don't know does everyone see the same personality or is that based off like bench coach or something or I believe it, it's all the same. Does, does for you it say never shows any lack of effort and has great knowledge of the game? He gets along with everyone. Yeah, high work ethic, high intelligence. And so the work ethic, again, that's why he developed his high work ethic. He actually tries everything he can to get better, but his never shows lack of... When they actually write further things about it in the personality, to me, it's like having the work ethic bolded. It's more than just work ethic. It's work ethic plus because they're actually speaking about it in greater detail. So I feel that's a, a big part of him. Like he, he could have been a guy with all the tools who just never developed them because he didn't have the work ethic or he might've had high greed or, you know, it could have been something else that he had low adaptability. Um, but he has exceptional work ethic, which at the end of the day translates into him actually meeting his potential. And if I were, if I were to try to build a player, I don't think I could build it any better than Trujillo plays defense, plays elite center field, hits to all fields, elite speed hits for power, hits for contact, hits to the gaps and is a good guy. You yeah, exactly. have the best player in Sky, and you need to brag about it more. Well, the, the, the thing about me is I, I don't like bragging about stuff because I feel that that... Is it because you're Canadian? That, that might be a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, I, I, it's like a karmatic thing where like if you start bragging about a player, then they get injured. Or, you, you know, like, especially when my team is first in the league i don't think i ever mentioned it once other people did and i'd agree and but i don't want if i'm the one who brings that up i feel that that's going to be like bad luck so i don't until i've won it all i don't i keep quiet and i don't want to be uh talking shit yet um, i definitely i definitely understand that but one thing i will say is i noticed this in the watching the games in the in the skyline series there is one sort of spot in his game that isn't elite and that's his arm mm-hmm. because um seeing man when he got thrown he was the one that's thrown out third right on that uh, tag it was, it, was, was, that, was uh, it was linfoot that that threw someone out i forget who it yeah. was it might, it might have been him it might have been haverson one, one of my really fast guys and just gunned him out it wasn't even close and then i saw him trying to gun someone out and his arm is average he got 50 arm so that's the one thing is that He's, he's just got an average arm. He, he's got sweet range, and he's got above-average air, but just, a, just an average arm. So um, if his arm was a rocket, then he would be like, I couldn't say anything bad about him. But that's the only thing is he's got an average arm. Of all the possible holes I could think of, I think that's the, that's the one I would choose, though. Yeah, exactly. And speed, power, contact, range, discipline, whatever. I'd say just give him a weak arm. That, that's what I'd say. And that's why he would be, I think, he, when he ages, he'll be an exceptional left fielder, too. Mm-hmm. Because um, if, as he does age, his range is 75 now. It was 80, at least according to my scout. So if it drops down to 70 or 65, I'm going to put him in left and move Haverson over to center. Because Haverson right now has, um, he actually has way better defensive rankings across the board. And so 
throwing him in center field will probably be what happens. They'll just switch those two positions. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how they both how it develops over time. So thank you, Sterling, for joining me again. This is 2012 Skyline Cup champion Sterling, GM of the Houston Astros. Thank you for your time today, Sterling. Excellent. Thank you. It's a pleasure being on. Always, always love to have uh, new guys on. Always love to have the the winners on um, because it shows that it's not it's not just me, D. Rich, and Trent. We we we're we're just talking heads. Uh, it's it's these it's it's everyone else in this league that makes it great. It's it's guys like you. It's guys like your brother Andrew. Everyone uh, that that helps make this league uh, what it is. So have a, a great rest of your day there, Sterling. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of the Skyline Podcast. I will see you guys in Slack.